And it's that spirit, it's that Holy Spirit that the scripture talks to us about that leads us to the truth sometimes. We've t- I've tied this together with this, is that so many of us came into faith in believing in the Lord, believing in morals, believing in right and wrong, sitting in a pew on Sunday morning. And that it was there that when, when, when something happened or somebody would ask a question or somebody did something wrong, you'd have that gut feeling. You'd have that check in your spirit that you would knew it was right or wrong. And that is the helper. That's what God, that's what the Messiah said was going to come after he was gone, was his spirit was going to come and it was going to, going to be help you to remember the words of Yeshua and all the things that he commanded. And that spirit inside of you was that gut check that everybody has and everybody's still sitting in church on Sunday morning. There's a lot of people that still have that too. But then we come into knowledge. We come into what we call truth. We learn about Torah, the commandments, those teachings. And those things we read though, we finally open our Bibles from page one instead of two thirds through the book. And you go back, you start reading and then you realize that there, everything that you knew in your spirit is confirmed with words on a page. Amen and amen. But what happens is people go so far into that, go so far into the truth, go so far into the words on the page that they then forget that immeasurable feeling that's unquantifiable, that's in their heart, in their soul, that speaks to them and tells them right and wrong. But yet, for the most part, our movement is very, very comfortable with staying the same. Don't you dare take the plastic off of grandma's couch. quickest way to get beat. We're worried if we say Jesus. We're worried if we say Yahweh. Because it's Yahovah. It's Yahuwah. Tell you what, none of us are Hebrew scholars. So let's just do the best we can. We allow semantics to define us. And those semantics drive a wedge between us and others. Especially in the generational gap. Please be-
Welcome to our live stream. My name is Chris Frankie and I'm one of the pastors here at HFF. We're glad that you've joined us. If this is your first time joining us for a service, welcome. The service is going to start in just a couple of minutes. At Hebraic Family Fellowship, we are a family-centered fellowship. We believe that the most important ministry that the Lord has given us is to our own home, to our wives, our husbands, to our children. We're glad you're here with us. We pray that your Sabbath has been blessed. And we can't wait to meet you in person one day soon. Shabbat Shalom. Shalom and welcome to HFF. You having a good day so far? I can still hear you, all of you who are saying yes. Thank you for allowing us to join with your family in your home this Saturday. Obviously, we understand that this is less than ideal circumstances, but um, we have faith. We have faith that God is still alive. We have faith that God is still moving and that he's still working even now. 
During the next week to two weeks, we will be pre-recording our services and broadcasting them on Saturday. That will take us basically till the end of March. At that point in time, the eldership will continue to reassess the information given by both our state, local, and federal government. And then we'll make the decision on gathering again in person, whether that they believe that's safe or not. During this time, this season, and the weeks leading up to Passover, as we prepare our hearts and our homes for the spring feast, if you need anything, prayer, communication, if you're an extrovert and you're locked in, if you need anything, please reach out to us. Please, the, the telephone number is on the website. The email is info at hebraicfamily.com. Reach out to us. We want to be able to continue to fulfill our obligation to minister to the flock that God has given us. But until then, we're going to have our normal service this week here online. And next week, we got an exciting special event for you. So next week, We'll look a little bit different on our broadcast. Um, I have the, the distinct honor to sit down with Rico Cortez, and we'll be kind of talking about the world in general, Passover, the Spring Feast, and we'll be broadcasting that as a part of our worship service. Um, as always, <laughs> financially, we could use your help. And so, um, just like you can use help as well. And so, please, if you do consider giving, uh, you can now do so through the HFF website. That's hff.church. Um, the expenses still continue to go on, just like they do in your household. If you need help financially, please also reach out to us. We want to be a light to our community. We want to be a light to the, to the people here at Timber Creek in the facility that we rent. And the graciousness of them. And during this season, we want to practice righteousness and justice for our whole community, for the world. We don't want to run in fear. So go ahead. Don't stand up and say Shabbat Shalom to your neighbor next to you or whatever. Go ahead, stand up, give your family a hug, and let's start with worship. All right, guys, let's stand up. Shabbat on this beautiful, beautiful day outside, for he is worthy of our praise. Where's my dancers at? There they are. We're gonna dance to the chains falling off. We're gonna dance to the chains falling off.
Father, just like our ancestors of Egypt and into the wilderness, Father, thank you. Thank you for our freedom. Thank you by the power of the blood of Yeshua that you have made a way for us to be free, to walk in the commandments of your word, and to dance before you like David did. Father, continue to renew the right spirit in our hearts. Continue, Father, to have your Holy Spirit move in our midst. Revive our spirit and sustain our soul, Father. For it's in the name of Yeshua.
She 
that we are not enough by the power of our own flesh and blood but through the power of Yeshua the power of the Holy Spirit the Ruach HaKodesh living within each and every one of us Father that is our power that is our healing that is our hope Father we are only weeks away from the celebration and memorial of your spring feast days. The stories that tell us of the time and time 
and time again that you have kept your covenant, that you have kept your word with Israel, that you have kept your word with your people. Just like at the sea, just like every time at the tabernacle, just like the days in the temple, Father, bring down your spirit upon this world. Cleanse us, Father, that we may be able to humbly praise you for all eternity. Father, forgive us for the times when we take upon ourselves your role. Forgive us for the times, Father, when we don't heed your counsel, when we don't heed the power of the Holy Spirit. Father, forgive us for those times. Forgive us for our arrogance, for our pride. Forgive us for our fear of things that are not of you. Forgive us for our idol worship. Fill us, Father, with the power of your Holy Spirit. That we would see the healings. That we would see the breakthroughs. That we would see lives changed. That we would not be instruments of division. That we would not be instruments to hinder your kingdom, but to help usher in your kingdom on this earth. Father, for those who are physically under the weather, struggling with the ailments, we lift them up to you. Father, we lift up our brother Brad Scott, who has been diagnosed with a stage two cancerous tumor in his brain, Father. We lift him up to you. This man and his wife and his family have done so much for our denomination. So much for your people. Father, we just ask and petition you humbly on behalf of our brother. Father, for those who are struggling with moves and transition in their life, would you give them peace? Would you give them guidance? Would you give them clarity? For Daniel, as he is in the land, Father, pray that you would just bless him immensely, that he would come back with the radiance of your presence within him. Father, we pray for the other congregations in this area, for the Stallsworth family and Betamese leadership, what great people they are. We lift them up to you, Father. We thank you for their service to this community. For the Wygant family, the Roche Pinal family, Father, we lift them up. For the Mings, for the Kirks, good nights, the Mitchells, all the families of the leadership of Timber Creek, to the Young family, 
to the Sanchez family, Father, to all of those people who we've been blessed to fellowship with, that we have been blessed that you have put together those relationships. We lift them up to you, Father. Let us never forget that we are not enough unless you come and fill us with your Holy Spirit. We pray all these things in Yeshua's name. Amen. All right, kiddos. It's that time again. Grab your balloons and invite your friends. It's okay, Shepherd. We only bite once. All right, let's pour out a blessing upon each and every one of these little kids that are before us this morning on this Sabbath. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for Hebraic Family Fellowship. We thank you for our community, uh, for our congregation. We thank you for all the young families, Lord, that have uh, come to be a part of this community. And we thank you for each and every one of these beautiful, shining faces that, is, that are before us right now. Father, we pray that you would pour out your very best blessing upon them on this Sabbath. We thank you for the joy that they are in our lives, for the for the jokes and the humor and the way they make us laugh and smile and how we, um, Father, you, you, you make it a way for us to just be joyful in the things that they do, they say. And Father, we, the parents, the elders, we can learn so much from them, Lord, for the innocence that they have to just form friendships and bonds with, with other children, Lord. Father, may we form those bonds and make new friends each and every day just like they do. Father, as they raise their hands up to, the, to their mom or dad in their time of need, Father, may we raise our hands to our Heavenly Father in our time of need in all things. Father, we pray that you would bless the sons, make them like Ephraim and Manasseh, bless the daughters to be like Ruth and like Esther as they grow in stature to walk uprightly before you. Father, I pray that you would always guard their ears and their eyes, anything they might hear or see, anything that might cause them harm, Lord. Father, I pray that you would protect them and surround them and keep anything that is not of you, any spirit that is not of you from entering in. Guard their heart and their mind, Lord, from those spirits. Let them not take hold in any way, shape, or form. Guard their mouths, Lord, their tongues, their lips, Lord, because you say what comes out of one's mouth is what defiles them. And so, Father, I pray that you would always protect them. May your spirit be filled inside of them. Give them the fruits of the Spirit. Always give them the patience and the peace and the joy and the kindness. May those things always be upon their hearts. We thank you, Lord, for all the children that are here amongst us in our community, and we pour out a special Sabbath blessing upon them on this day. We thank you. In Yeshua's name, amen. Good morning, everyone. Uh, my name is Cameron, in case you haven't had the opportunity to meet me. This week's Torah portion is Vayakel Pekude uh, in Exodus 35 through 40. In Exodus, in this portion in Exodus, it is mostly, about 90%, it's talking about the 
items that were put into the tabernacle and then how to construct it and how God wanted it seen. And it was Moses telling the people of, uh, of Israel how God had told him to have those things done. It's really interesting when you look at that to see all the precise measurements and colors and how precise that God had in a vision for how he wanted his tabernacle to be. So it's like, in my head, I was, I was looking at this and it's like, well, when somebody says that you're just picky or you're being too opinionated, you just look at them and go like, no, I'm, I'm being godly. Just actually don't tell them that because that will get you slapped probably and shunned from your church. Um, so if we look back, there's a, a couple interesting little things that are semi out of place when you look at this. So at the beginning of Exodus 35, it's actually a commandment about Sabbath. And if this is your first portion or first verse that you stumble on about Sabbath, this will be very discouraging because, uh, I'll read it real quick. It says that Moses entired the, yeah, Moses assembled the entire Israelite community and said to them, these are the things that the Lord has commanded for you to do. For six days you will work is to be done, but on the seventh day you are to have a holy day, a Sabbath of complete rest to the Lord. Anyone who does work on this day must be executed. So that's a little intimidating, uh, but there's context to this, and that's very important to understand the context. Uh, so if you have a friend and they're saying, like, don't do it, or we have to execute you, like, they're, no, uh, that's not right. It's actually because of the context of what they're about to do. They're about to start building the tabernacle because God didn't want them to continue to work on the tabernacle during the Sabbath because anybody that would do that would bring shame and disgrace to God if they were to continue to do that work. Uh, the other thing, so this is all basically in, in chapter 35. The, the rest of it is all uh, the construction of the tabernacle. Continuing down, it says that Moses speaked to the, uh, to the community about the materials that needed to be gathered and collected from the community. And in this section of scripture, it's great for any person that is wondering how that God can use them to further the kingdom. Um, because God used artisans and skilled, uh, skilled craftsmen then also, he used literally every single person. Every, everybody had something to bring. Um, commonly, if, you, if you've grown up in church, you've probably heard this section of scripture and seen that it's usually kind of pushed towards tithe, which is amazing. It is great that you should think about that because tithe helps us do things like pay the rent and help community projects and help to uh, financially assist anybody that is in need. Um, especially at our church. We're, we're lucky to have that. Um, but the other thing that we don't typically think, the thing that's harder for us to focus on is bringing ourselves, bringing of our time. So uh, in chapter 35, it continues on and says this in verse 21, everyone whose heart was moved or his spirit prompted him and came and brought, uh, let me see, Everyone whose heart was moved and whose spirit prompted him came and brought an offering to the Lord for the work of the tent of meeting, for all of its services, and for the holy garments. Everybody whose heart was moved and whose spirit was prompted. If there is something that, if you're, if you're not feeling like you should give, 
That's, that verse right there says we should have sort of a gut check. If we're feeling like we can come empty-handed to the house of the Lord, to the community, we need to rethink about that. Now, we get the same reaction later on in the Bible when they're building the first temple. In Chronicles, in 1 Chronicles 29, they had the same reaction. Uh, verse, or chapter 3, or, oh, no. <laughs> first Chronicles, yeah, when they had that. Then, we see in 1 Corinthians three sixteen through 17, that do you not know that God's temple, that you are God's temple, and that God's spirit dwells within you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is holy, and you are that temple. The you there in that verse is actually plural. It's a you. It is a collective you. So we are now the temple. So now we're sitting in the seats. We're all gathered together. We are the temple. What are we bringing to each other? What are we bringing to this gathering? Sometimes it's, it's too easy to think about the financial. It's like, okay, well, yeah, I'll tithe. That is something we should do, yes, but God wants more from us. He wants for us to give something that is more of a, an actual sacrifice to us. And a lot of our sacrifice is time, especially in today's day and age where everything's very rushed. It's important that we sacrifice that or offer that. Uh, let's look at Romans 12.1. It actually says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, in view of the mercies of God, I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, that there is true, that that is true worship. If you're wondering what you can bring, think about everything that God has gifted you with. Maybe you're a carpenter, maybe you're a plumber, maybe you have a great eye for painting, uh, maybe you're an interior designer, maybe you're good with money. Everybody has a skill that God has gifted them with. One of my favorite verses is 1 Peter 4.10. And it says, As each of us has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of the very grace of God. So as we think about gathering together, not only should we think about offering of ourselves, our, our finances, we should also think of what can I do? What can I personally bring and offer to help further this kingdom? Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for every Sabbath that you bring to us. Um, Father, I, I thank you so much for every single person that's watching this broad, broadcast. Father, I, I thank you for every heart that is stirred through the scripture, through the readings of your word. Father, I, I pray that you prompt them, that you, you fill their spirits with something that sparks to know exactly what your gift is that you gave to them and exactly how they can use it for your kingdom. Father, I, I pray that as we look at ourselves every week with Scripture, that this picture becomes clearer and clearer, and that we start thinking about how we can serve others as the temple. And it's in your Son's holy name that we ask of this. Amen. All right. All right, all right, all right. Thank you, Cameron. Just like our ancestors before us, just like the Israelites many times throughout our holy scriptures, and just like the future, today we experience some unique challenges. I'm not sad. I'm not fearful. I get to worship alongside of you while you get to spend time in your home with your family. We are not confined by brick and mortar. Yeshua 
was not confined by the grave. We have a unique opportunity in front of us today where the church will awaken in the Western culture, in Asia, where the power of the Holy Spirit will stir the believers and shake them to their very core to awaken us to the fact that God is still here. And just like our ancestors during this very time hunkered down in their houses in preparation for the protection of Yahweh over their homes from the plague, we practice in a very literal and real scenario today. How long this will last, I do not know. But I can tell you this, God is not confined. The Holy Spirit is not confined. Big things are coming. An awakening is happening. And I'm excited to be here with you today. Join me in prayer. Dear merciful Heavenly Father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one true and most holy God. Father, right now we come to you petitioning as believers all over the world for you to save us, for you to heal us, our land, Establish your will in your creation, Father. The God of heaven's armies, there is none as mighty as you. Father, may we hear the still small voice and heed the power of your Holy Spirit in our lives in this unique situation. For it's in the name of Yeshua we humbly come before you. Amen and amen. Open your Bibles with me today. Pull up your apps. And let's open at the beginning. Genesis 1.1 In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void. And the darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the of the waters. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. In the scriptures, the word peace is used 429 times. It varies a little bit by translation, but going back to one of the first English translations of the Bible, it's 429 times. Why am I talking about peace? Because ultimately, Look around. There's noise. Noise everywhere. We need peace. Now, in order to understand biblical peace, in order to understand what was going on in the context of these verses, we must understand what the opposite of peace is. Chaos 
is the opposite of biblical peace. Now we can see throughout scripture that God uses chaos for a couple major things. God uses chaos for judgment. The books of Isaiah, Zephaniah, and Revelation all speak to the fact that God uses chaos to judge. Some right now are stating that the chaos that we're ensuing inside this world is a judgment from God. Following those judgments, the chaos of judgments, Zechariah, Judges, 1 Samuel, 2 Chronicles, Isaiah, Ezekiel, and Haggai all tell us about the panic and destruction that characterize the chaos that follows the judgment of God. Chaos threatens God's order. We just read in Genesis 1, God is a God of order. He speaks into existence order. Chaos threatens God's order. Life and order must be sustained by God and God alone. We see this in Psalms chapter 104. We see this in 1 Colossians. We see this in Job 12, Colossians 1, excuse me. We see this in Isaiah 42 and Hebrews chapter 1, that God is the one who creates order out of chaos. And chaos threatens God's order. Yet like we read, Genesis 1 tells us very clearly that God creates the order out of chaos. It is he who creates something out of nothing. It is he who brings the order to his creation. It's not me. It's not you. It's not any of us. It's not Wall Street. It's not banks. It's not financial. It's not this world. Genesis 1 tells us it's God. Psalms 33, 148, Romans 4, Hebrews 11, Isaiah 45, Job chapter 9, Psalm 8, Isaiah 48. All of these speak to this very thing. This isn't a a one passage of Scripture. This isn't a one theme or one parallel of Scripture. There are multiple chapters throughout and multiple verses throughout the Bible that speak of these things. Chaos. Chaos creates panic and destruction and fear. Fear is something that's talked about a lot recently. Some will accuse others of being fearful of the virus that we have. Some are fearful of the economic downturn. Some are fearful of mindless genealogies and conspiracies. Some constantly remind us that the only fear is to be the fear of the Lord. That's what the scripture says. But we need to take a look at chaos, a serious look at chaos. The noise, I call it the noise. Look at the chaos that we cause, whether it would be inadvertently, subliminally, 
and the chaos we allow to consume us. This didn't start with the coronavirus. This didn't start with Ebola or H1N1. It didn't start with any of that. The chaos that was created by the daily hustle and bustle of the westernized culture mentality. One that's not exclusive to just the church. It's not bound by race or gender. A culture that has been created to tell us hustle and bustle. More money. More social media feeds. More, 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 more. It is a constant stream of noise. A constant stream of distraction. A constant stream of information. Knowledge is increasing rapidly. The amount of our population that can read. The amount of information at your fingertips. Faster than ever before. The constant speculation. The constant mistrust of others. The constant state of chaos in our own lives. Welcome to the 21st century. Navigating the 21st century can be hard for believers who are seeking to understand the first century context of the teachings of Messiah Yeshua. No one is immune to this noise. It consumes our everyday life. You know, we talk about it a lot. Reading the Bible, Bible studies, time for worship, time for prayer, time for family gatherings, all these things. The noise, the chaos. Divorce in believers' households are at an all-time high. Division amongst the body of Messiahs at an all-time high. The division is at an all-time high. We do it through constant debates with everyone on everything. What is what a burger better than in and out What does this scripture mean or that scripture mean? What is the true Hebraic understanding of something? We seek knowledge of the Bible, the world. What evil plan is the government concocting? What is a false flag? Should we stock up? Should we not stock up? What should we stock up? What should we not stock up on? But ultimately, this noise has created a culture and a mentality of selfishness. Take care of me. Every week in our services, Ephraim or Daniel closes our services with the ironic blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and grant you peace. His countenance, his favor, his safety, his blessings. This is the way you will bless my children. His countenance, his favor, his blessings. We see 
in the parable of the ten virgin that there were some who were wise and there were some who were foolish. Right now, one of the greatest debates that is happening amongst believers is the debate over this very parable. The parable of the physical preparedness and not to be caught sleeping. We can prepare in our 21st century with food, with the needs for our family, and we should. We should. God has given us wisdom for us to be able to discern how to take care of our families. As leaders of our household, we cannot neglect that very high calling. Yet are we neglecting the spiritual preparedness for the coming of the Messiah? Are we neglecting the very physical elements of spiritual preparedness. What about the widow? What about the orphan? What about the sojourner? What about the elderly? None of these things should be mutually exclusive from one another. If I can, I'd like to take a second and, and tell you about something that happened in my own life. About five years ago, I moved to Norman, Oklahoma. And in that move, I was confronted with the fact that I didn't have physical preparations in store for the Great Tribulation. Something that this community um, definitely has more of than I did. And in a conversation and seeking to understand and seeking to have wisdom and discernment, I ask this question. I have a type 1 diabetic son. Currently, that son cannot survive without insulin. We've adjusted dietary elements. He's a very healthy kid. Eats healthy, a lot healthier than I did when I was his age. But he, as, as it stands right now, his body does not produce insulin. Without insulin, he would die. And by the leading of the Holy Spirit in that conversation, I asked, what do I do if I have faith that God will provide a way for my son to survive? Whether that's heal his body or or insulin, or whatever. What do I do if, if I have faith right now where I sit that if I am to go through the great tribulation, if I am to be in these situations that are there, if I have the faith in God that He can provide for my son to live when the doctors say there's no physical capability for that to happen right now, if I have the faith that he can do that, why don't I have faith that he can clothe me, that he can, he can feed me? If my son were to perish in the wilderness, the last thing I'm worried about is carrying in a tent, carrying dehydrated food, any of these other things, because I'm carrying my wife and my other children who are mourning the loss of my son. 
their brother. Every day I have to be faced with the understanding that that God's principles are true. And I must have faith to not only prepare physically, but to spiritually have faith. The Holy Spirit is calling his people during this time to physically prepare their homes, physically prepare their communities, physically prepare their country, and spiritually in all the same manners. We must have faith that the promises of God are true. The spiritual and the physical work together. Always. Always. That's a hard place for a lot of us to be. I don't have all the right answers. I don't have all the right answers at all. I don't. But we need to take an honest look at how we do that. How do we find the order in the midst of a chaotic situation? Now that was a completely hypothetical situation. I have no idea what God will or will not do. All we have is the start of the book that tells us historically God has always protected his people. Always. How do we restore peace in our life, order in our life, when the world around us, our culture around us, wants us to have noise and chaos? I believe that there's only one way. We must repent from the sins that we have made. We must repent from the apathy. We must repent from becoming comfortable and allow the Lord to supernaturally take hold of our life and make us, by the power of His Holy Spirit, take the necessary steps to eliminate the noise in our life. A lot of times it takes a situation like this, a chaotic situation, for us to realize the fact that our life is full of noise and chaos. Many of you have said, I do not hear the voice of God. God doesn't talk to me. Does God even hear me? The noise that every stay-at-home mother knows and they live with on a daily basis, the noise that every person hears on Facebook, the social media, the media in general, radio, the noise that every pastor and every leader knows all too well. The noise that before the coronavirus distracted husbands from wives and wives from husbands. We share memes on social media of spouses on their phones, whatever. And I'm not casting judgment here because I'm guilty as as anybody. The last two weeks, my phone has rang off the hook constantly. I have failed my wife. I have failed at this very thing. It's, it's interesting how God will, leading up to a sermon, leading up to a teaching, he will magnify the issue in your own life if you allow him. If you allow him to come into you 
and flow freely from you. The noise that distracts us from our spouse, from our children. The noise that leads to the chaos of panic, fear, apathy, rebellion, and just overall a chaotic environment. Why does it take something like a virus to wake us up to the fact that these things are happening every single day in our life? Little by little by little by little by little. There are many, many, many times throughout Scripture that God calls us to limit the noise in our life, to limit the chaos, to remove ourselves from situations to draw closer to Him. If you were unclean, you were to stay away from the temple for a period of time for the greater good. Some call that quarantine. Some liken that to the experiences we have right now. To remove yourself from the noise of our daily life. To remove whatever noise is keeping you from hearing God's wisdom in your life. The calling always comes in the chaos. Because God uses the chaos to restore the order to his creation. The calling comes in the chaos. The calling comes in the chaos. For God to take you out of the chaos, to mold you and make you, and bring you in. Bring you in. To restore the order to your life. God was not confined by a tomb. God is not confined by the church. God is not confined by geographical boundaries. We must not limit him. Romans 1.21 says, For even though they knew God, they did not honor Him as God or give thanks. But they became futile in their speculations, and their foolish heart was darkened. There's that speculations of chaos again. And what does it say? Through the speculation of chaos, their heart was darkened. 2 Corinthians 10.5 says, We are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. Let that sink in. Let's read that again. For those of you at home, that's 2 Corinthians 10.5. 2 Corinthians 10.5. We are destroying speculation. We're not exacerbating. We're not lifting it up. We're destroying the speculations, the chaos, and every lofty thing that's raised up against the knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought captive to the obedient of Messiah. Every thought captive. Every thought captive. 2 Timothy 2, 3. 2.23, excuse me, says, but refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, chaos, 
knowing that they produce quarrels. Recently, it was shared with me, I haven't had the opportunity to completely finish the documentary. Sheep Among Wolves. It is a two-part documentary on YouTube. Since we're quarantined, I recommend you take the opportunity to do it. Watch it on YouTube. Not until I'm done with my sermon, of course, but take an opportunity to watch it. It's a documentary that details the uprising of the Holy Spirit in Iran. Let that sink in for a second. Let that sink in. It destroys the media narrative that the Muslim faith is the largest, most populated, most growing faith of Iranians. It destroys the narrative. And it talks about how husbands and wives will wake up in the morning. They will look at each other. They have made a decision to live for Christ in a country that is run by people who practice Islam, who promote Islam, rape, all of these things, atrocities we can't even fathom. We're mad that we get to sit in our houses with HVAC. We're not dying for our faith. We're not persecuted for our faith. We're not like the Chinese who are underground, the Iranians who are underground, the ones who have to flee their country to Indonesia to get trained to go back, knowing that they may die. They're not listening to the chaos. They're not listening to the noise. Because God is doing something so radically in their heart, so unbelievable in their heart. They would die for Jesus. We don't know what that's like. Our noise... Our noise is so full of speculation. We don't know what that's like. We don't know what it's like to be a people, to be a female who could walk out of her home today. And profess that Jesus is her salvation. never come home. We don't know what that's like. The little bit of faith that we have is automatically shaken because we can't come to a building. And yet the Holy Spirit is doing something so miraculous in eastern countries and they have no building. They're not allowed to meet. What are we missing? What are we not listening to?
time for us to open the windows, pull back the blinds, and let the light of God speak into our life in this season. This is not a time to run and hide. This is not a time for us to say, woe is me. We don't know woe is me. This is a time for us to double down on our faith. This is a time for us to fall on our knees, to repent, to praise. This is a time to let the light shine forth like never before. This isn't about a denomination. This isn't about a building. This is about the kingdom of the Most High God. Yod, Hey, Vav, Hey, Adonai, Elohim. I'm so humbled that he would even allow me to teach his word. That he would even move in my heart and move in my life. When I fail and I fail and I fail and I fail. And yet every time that I fail, I pick myself back up again and I know that my God has fought for me. And my God has moved forward. And he's doing the same for every single one of you. This is about the whole kingdom, not our part. The world is losing its mind. But we cannot allow us to lose our hearts. Let our praise go forth in battle. Let our servanthood go forth in battle. Let our prayers go forth in battle. And cut through the noise. Cut through the chaos. Let God move so miraculously in our hearts, just like he did with David. Young David, who walked onto the battlefield, knowing that God was moving in his heart. And he said, I can fight Goliath and I can win. Let praise, prayer, faith be our weapon. Just like the walls of Jericho that came tumbling down. God wants to awaken our hearts. He wants to allow the living Torah to renew our marriages, our homes, our communities, to reduce the selfishness that this world has glorified for too long. May the Lord lift up his countenance and grant you peace. In the midst of all the noise that is out there, allow God to grant you his peace. Right now, around the world, people are preparing their homes for Passover. Let us go deeper in our cleansing than ever before. Let us know that our obedience to the creator just like in the first exodus will cause him to pass over our homes in the plagues that we see in our daily lives this isn't about coronavirus guys this isn't about coronavirus These plagues, these pestilence, these issues, these broken marriages, these broken homes, these financial issues, these existed long before the coronavirus. But this shook us and this woke us up. Chaos cannot survive when the children of God restore praise to their lips. 
when the children of God restore faith to their hearts. God has and never will be confined by a building. He was not confined by the temple. He chose to dwell there. He was not defined by the tabernacle. He chose to dwell there. And he has given us a tremendous opportunity in front of us right now. May he grant you his peace. His peace that you'll have enough food. His peace that you will have enough toilet paper. His peace that your financials will be okay. His peace that he is still on the throne. His peace that he has got the world in his hands. His peace that this isn't the first time he's taken care of his children. His peace God doesn't keep us in the dark. He has foretold the end from the beginning. And he continues to work in a cyclical fashion. For too long we've put our faith in presidents and stock markets in our own knowledge for too long. There's an awakening happening. There's an awakening happening. But do you have peace? Because without peace, it will be impossible to hear God in a chaotic world. It'll be impossible. It's during this time right now, historically, that the Lord was calling Moses. He was preparing him to tell him to go for the children of Israel. I don't know what God's doing right now. I don't know what the end game is. I don't know what the prophetic significance is. But every prophet called for the repentance of God's people and the obedience of the commandments. May he lift up his countenance upon you and grant you his peace. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for the Sabbath day. Father, I praise you for the opportunity to spend time with our families, to reconnect, to unwind from the hustle and bustle. Father, my faith, my hope, and my trust is in you. You have never failed me. And I know that you won't fail your people. For your name's sake, you will be lifted high in all the nations. Father, during this, this season of uncertainty, Father, 
I ask humbly that you will reveal yourself to your people like never before. Father, in a lot of ways, we're just like our ancestors were in Egypt. We don't have a lot of faith. We don't have a lot of trust. Some of us don't spend much time talking to you. Some of us don't spend much time looking for you or listening for you. Father, remove the noise from our lives and grant us peace. Heal this world, Father, that we may repent and draw near to you. For it's in the name of Yeshua, our Messiah. Amen and amen. Ephraim, if you'll come. All right, if we could all rise, please. And the Lord spoke in Moshe and said, Tell Aaron and his sons, This is the way you shall bless the children of Israel. May the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of Yeshua the Messiah, the Prince of Peace, Shalom. That they lifted up and blessed the Lord because he has blessed us beyond belief. Even the ability to be able to be speaking to you today, no matter where you're at, it's a blessing. And we, we cannot thank the Lord enough for that. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, or you would like to give towards our widows and orphans and community funds to help those who are less fortunate, you can do so by visiting HebraicFamily.com. None of our staff takes any types of salaries or stipends, and all of the money is put back into furthering the work of the kingdom for the Lord. May Yeshua the Messiah bless you on the Sabbath. We look forward to seeing you next week. Shalom.